It demands that we tell sinners the whole truth. We will not go quietly into the night. Christian Cornerstone Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the wonderful study of the Word. Um, as you know, if you've been following along with these, we're just going straight through the scriptures, seeing what we can find and what kind of gold and riches we can find within these pages and how we can apply these to our lives. Um, <clears throat> so far, we're going through the book of Romans. Um, there's both blessings and curses and uh, praise and judgments that's going to be going on within these. We want to give you both the positive and the negative uh, because these are very important for us to know. I mean, especially as believers, uh, this is some of the stuff we need to recognize because while we may be righteous in the eyes of God, there is still hypocrisy within us. In some way or another, there still is sin within us in our everyday lives, and we need to address these. If these go unaddressed, if we do not recognize these things, um, they will ultimately be something that will stand against us when we are in the face of God. Um, so these are things that uh, we all need to address, including myself. Now, uh, before we get started on this, I would like to welcome you guys. Uh, for those of you who are listening, however you're listening in, um, please feel free to subscribe to this. You can watch on YouTube. These videos are on there. Um, go to our Anchor.fm channel or any other popular podcasting channel uh, platform in which you enjoy. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast. Um, and everything else. Uh, you just put in Christian Cornerstone and look for our logo and you'll find um, you know, our episodes, of course. So please feel free to subscribe and share those with your friends as well. Facebook, we are on there. Please feel free to follow us as well on there. Ask us questions, give comments, whatever it is that you have. So um, we actually have, we're in week six. Uh, and as I shared last week, um, as for me, that'd be two days ago. Um, we're going through some pre-recordings. I've got some things coming up that's going to be taking up a lot of time, so I'm trying to get these available for you as we can. I want to try to get a couple weeks out so that way when the time comes, and I don't know how much time we'll have, to be honest. I don't know how busy I'll be. Um, uh, there's some things coming on, which when it happens, um, I'll be more than happy to share with you. It's exciting news. Uh, however, I don't know if it's official yet. So um, all I can say is I'm really excited to see what the Lord has in store for us. So um, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, if you guys want to, uh, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 2, and we'll be getting, we'll be getting into verse 12 uh, tonight. So while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and open this up in a prayer, and we can just get started. Father, we thank you for another wonderful evening, uh, another wonderful day to get into your word, to study your truths, to uh, teach us, to instruct us, and even to correct us, Lord. Uh, rebuke us when that rebuke is needed. Uh, to train us up in your righteousness, Lord, we ask that you open our heart and our mind to what you have to share with us. May it convict us, Lord, and call us to repentance if that need is there. And we ask that you continue to guide us in your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so getting in verse, uh, what do we say, verse 12. Uh, as we get going on in this, we're just going to read through this and see what kind of 
issues we can grab. Um, now this first one here, we're going to be going over the negative. Um, we're going over the, and I want to split this up uh, in case we don't, I want to let you know this in case we don't get this time. We're going to be focusing on the Gentiles who know the law or who have some idea of the law but don't follow it. And then we're going to next week, uh, if we don't get to, if we get to that, um, we're going to be going over the Jews, or in our case, the, the Christians who know the law, who know the word of God, but yet don't follow it. Um, this is very heavy stuff, and I would encourage you guys to continue to follow, continue to listen to these, um, because we must have the full word of God, the full counsel. If we are to understand what God has to tell us, we cannot take one verse out of its context. So I want us to, as we've been doing, continue to go verse by verse uh, the best that we possibly can um, so that way we get the full context of what is going on within the scriptures and how does it apply to us. So starting here in verse 12, um, the subtitle is God's Judgment and the Law. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Um, we have believers, or this is actually in reference to um, the Gentiles. We know this because Paul identifies that in a couple next verses. All have, for all, who all have sinned without the law. These are, the, these are the, the Gentiles. They did not have the physical law. They did not have the transcripts or the scrolls. The Jews, that was something that they held on to. That was something they looked to. The, the Gentiles themselves, they were outsiders. So they really didn't associate much with uh, the religious um, people, so to speak. Um, in our case today, we would say that that's those people who are non-believers and who don't have a Bible in their possession. Uh, many people do these days. We have apps. Um, you can find anything else online. You've got people putting quotes online and so on. Uh, they didn't have these back in uh, Paul's time when he's writing the Romans. I mean, you couldn't just get on Twitter and post a picture of, you know, like and share this if you believe in Jesus Christ. You couldn't do that. <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't think you still should do that because I think a lot of those are in vain. Um, but uh, anyways, that's a side note here. But those who have sinned without the laws, Gentiles, will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law, Jews, will be judged by the law. So, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. And this is very an important piece. I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's been something that's been ringing through my head. Um, I've been trying to apply it to myself, and I've been uh, thinking of how it applies to others as well. It's one thing for us to hear the Word of God or to know what the Word of God has to say, what the various verses, but to actually do it is something completely different. And many of us will fall every single day, but if we repent of these in, in all of our sins, it's not to say that you know all of your sins, it's not to say you can keep track of them, because God knows how many sins you've committed each day and you don't. Um, but it's to... Um, we must have a heart, a desire of this righteousness. You know, like the Pharisees themselves, they knew the scriptures, but yet Christ himself um, rebukes them so many different times. Uh, one of the big ones here we find in Matthew 23 is the woes to the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites and blind guides. 
Um, they they have the scriptures. Uh, you have in, uh, that, but they don't really follow them. They don't understand them. They just kind of go through the motion. They they they're more focused on the traditional and oral teachings rather than the divine truth. Um, and we have um, what comes to my mind is in John chapter four, Nicodemus. Christ even confronts him that he's a he's a teacher of the law, but even he doesn't understand these things. So it's one thing to have the scriptures, and it's another thing to follow the scriptures. As Paul says here, for it is not the hearers, it's not those who simply hear or who know the word, um, who are righteous before God. I mean, you can, know, you can know the entire Bible from front to back. But that's not going to do anything unless you put that into practice. And this is what's being addressed here. But the doers of the law who... I'm sorry, yes, but the doers of the law who will be justified, those who do the, the, these things. And I believe we've uh, discussed this a couple days ago, or a couple lessons ago, that um, lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yes, the, the believers themselves, we don't, we don't you know, follow the scriptures, we don't follow these commands because we need to do this because we have to. But we do this because we want to. Now, it's not always easy, it's not always perfect. But the fact that you continuously get up every single day and you repent of your sins, you thank God for what, you've, what you have that morning, you repent of your sins that you've committed throughout that day, you know, the following or that same evening, you, you desire to be improved, you desire to do these things, not because they merit salvation or they merit righteousness, but because you are righteous and you want to honor the Father in which you serve. I was actually talking to a coworker about this um, today. But that's essentially the difference is, you know, from he's, a, he's an agnostic and he sees God as, a, you know, a megalomaniac, you know, um, a guy that's all selfish and he wants his glory and alone. And from their perspective, yes, by definition, yes, God is. However, from my perspective as a Christian, as a believer, I don't have any concern with that because he's a loving father. He cares for me. He loves me. He provides for me. And he, he just he just simply wants what's best. Yes, God does want the glory. Yes, God does deserve the glory. Yes, God should not have to share the glory and will not share the glory with anybody else. But I'm okay with that. Um, my desire, to the best of my human capacity, is to simply honor God. And I think one of the best ways we can do this, um, or I think one way that will help, I actually have, uh, I haven't paid attention to it much in a few days or a couple weeks actually, maybe a little longer, but uh, years ago, I designed this poster um, that's hanging up in my bedroom of that has the Ten Commandments, and um, under that I have, I can't remember the verse itself, I believe it's pulled from Deuteronomy that I have, that all the laws, I'm sorry, not all the prophets, um, you know what, I can't go through that, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look at the poster to verify um, what the verses I have on there, but essentially what I have is I have the Ten Commandments and I have a verse down at the bottom as a reminder to me that the reason I look to these commandments is not because I can be perfect with them, but it's because there's a standard, there's a basis of which I can follow in order to live a righteous life, in order to honor God. Now it's not to say that you know these, this is it, but there's more to the commandments. There's more to the word in which to follow. But I think those ten commandments um, are you know a good start. 
And as Christ uh, tells us, you know, the two greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And all the laws of the prophets rest on these. Um, the idea is that all of the commandments of the Old Testament and New Testament is in some way related to loving God with everything, every, everything in your fibers, everything in your being, and to love each other in the same way that you love yourself, and then in the same way that you want to be loved. Um, so, I mean, you can look to the scriptures to find those. It's really wonderful, really beautiful, because we find these commands and we ask why. Why should I follow these commands? Well, do you love God? He wants what's best for you, so follow his instructions. Do you love your friends and your family? They want what's best for you, and you should want what's best for them as well. So therefore, you'll do what you can to to not criticize them, to not condemn them, to, um, what else we have here, to uh, not tear them down, but to try to lift them up, to, to care for them to you know, in various needs, whether it be financially, medical, uh, whether it be food, whether it be just some, you know, a shoulder to cry on, whatever it is, you know, there, there's the love. You can show the love of Christ by showing your love for them. So it says to be doers of the words. These ones are the, the doers of the law will be justified. For when, um, and we're actually going to go ahead and take a quick break after this next verse here. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. So in other words, what we have here is this idea that, um, you know, without knowing the, the law of God, and this is something we have throughout the world, even non-believers, they don't need to look at the word of God, they don't need to, but they still have some sense of goodness. They have a sense of compassion. They have a sense of um, justice. They have a sense of honesty. They have a sense of charity and love. And they, by, that, by their understanding, their personal standard in which they've been taught or which they've formulated in their mind, they don't have the word, they don't follow the word, they don't understand the word, they've concocted their own moral rightness. And they follow this. And through this, they themselves become the law, and though they do not have the law. And essentially what's happening is their standards of love, their standards of justice, their standards of honesty, their standards of judgments, this will all be turned against them. Because one, they're non-believers, so they're condemned already. And two, like we've already shared previously in Matthew 7, where Christ tells us, by the same measure that we judge others, we too shall be judged. By the same measure we love others, we too shall be judged. By the same measure that we're honest to others, we too shall be judged. Now let's go ahead and take a quick break. Um, I've got an actually an interesting video by When We Understand the Text. And this one is actually answering the question, are there contradictions within the Gospels, within Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So let's go ahead and listen in and see what we have. Good 
Is it true that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, contradict one another in the details about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Ye, nope. The Gospels are in full agreement that Jesus' last supper with his disciples was on Thursday night, that they went to the Mount of Olives to pray, that Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot for money and arrested, that he appeared before the high priest, and that Jesus claimed to be God. Yes, in all four Gospels. Jesus was denied by Peter three times. Friday morning, he appeared before Pontius Pilate. He was beaten. The prisoner Barabbas was set free in exchange. Jesus was crucified at a place called the Skull. He hung on his cross between two other criminals, and he died and was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. On Sunday at dawn, Jesus rose from the dead. The empty tomb was first found by the women, one of whom was Mary Magdalene, and then they went and told the disciples. But wait, the doubter says. Mark is supposed to end with verse 8, where it says that the women were terrified by what they had seen and told no one. Well, obviously they told someone, genius, or Mark wouldn't have written about it. The angel told the women to go and tell the disciples, and it is understood that's exactly what they did. It's true that the Gospels differ on other specifics, but these details do not contradict one another and in no way negate the Gospel truth. That Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and came back from the dead is historical fact. You can be more certain of that truth than you can be that you'll see the sunrise tomorrow. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's a truth you can know and place your hope in when we understand the text. All right, so there's actually one more thing I'd like to add to that. In fact, I love those, and we, you actually get those a lot. Um, you get these ideas that the Gospels contradict each other, um, which as we watched this video, I said, no, they do not. But what's interesting, what came to my mind as I was listening to that, if you guys have ever watched God's Not Dead, I think it's probably in the first... Uh, no, it's in the second one. The second God's Not Dead. Um, an evangelist... Uh, or not an evangelist, uh, an apologist named um, James Warner Wallace. James Warner Wallace. Um, he is an ex-atheist, a uh, former atheist. He's, uh, he works for the FBI, I believe, or maybe... Um, uh, forensics, that's what it is. I think it's forensics. I can't remember exactly the term. Look him up. See what he does. Uh, he does something with uh, legal issues. But he uh, cold case, that's what it is. He does cold case uh, studies or cold cases, um, murders. I don't know the terminology. I'm not a legal advisor. of. I'm not a legal professional of any sorts. Um, but anyways, one of the things he mentioned in his own studies in which he found, he uses the same tactic in his profession as he did in the studies of the scriptures. He, he went to these scriptures to really debunk it, to prove them wrong. And all he found was they were true. Now, there's a couple of contradictions in the example he gives, but he says, it's like, you know, these are eyewitness accounts. There's going to be a few minor details that are missing out, but ultimately you can piece these together to get the truth. And that's exactly what we have. You know, while <clears throat> I think the example he gives is in one, one of the Gospels, it says that they, uh, they took him and they beat him. And another one says, uh, you know, and asking them, you know, to prophesy who hit you. But okay, if his eyes are open, then clearly he sees this. But then another account actually tells us that, that Christ himself was blindfolded. So that actually explains why they, why they are saying, you know, who hit you, prophesy, tell us. Because he was blindfolded. And no human would be able to tell you this. So this was a whole mockery in which they were doing. But uh, anyways, that's our, um, our video. And now going back into this here, um, as we continue this, um, they show, here we go. Let me actually read 14 and then we'll get into 15. Okay, so uh, 14 we've just read. Um, For Gentiles who do not have the law, by their nature, do what the law requires. They are uh, to themselves 
Um, they are a law even to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, and while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse and even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, which is actually the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not Paul's gospel, but the my gospel was really the one that he's presenting here, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's, he's echoing to the Romans. So the message that I am giving you is what he's saying here. God judges the secrets of man by Jesus Christ. So I want us to focus on verse 15. It says here that um, the law is written on their hearts and while their conscience also bears witness. The law of God is on everybody's heart. The law of morality. Don't kill, don't murder, be honest, be truthful, care for one another, and a bunch of other um, elements. We all have this sense of, of rightness. We all have the desire to do right. We all have the desire to be good. But in our own minds, in our sinful minds, we can sometimes fall short. You can look at the political environment today and see just that. In their own minds, they are doing what is right to care for, to lead, and to protect this country. But ultimately, their sins are clouding them to the truth. They're essentially destroying this country. But that's another topic. So, in their minds, they're doing what's right. And then, in the minds of the Christians, we talk about abortion. That's not good. The, the Democrats at this point think that it's okay to do. They want equal rights for the LGBTQ, elemental peace. Biblically speaking, that's not right. But in their minds, it's right. And there's a whole list of these things. But the ultimate goal that I'm, I want to address here is that these are, these are pagans. These are non-believers. These are sinners. While they still might have a sense of rightness, of goodness, it's still not good enough. These are these, because they're following a God of their own choosing, of their own design, rather than the true God of the scriptures, all of their standards of morality is essentially going to be the judge against them. And I think we can learn from this, because we have in Isaiah, which we'll discuss uh, here in, I believe, the next chapter or two, um, Isaiah 64 tells us that all our good deeds are like filthy rags to the Lord. Just because we believe we're doing good, that's not good enough. Um, you know, we could be the, um, by outward appearance, we could be the most righteous person, but if we do not know God, if we do not, if we are not saved, if we are not redeemed, if we have not repented of our sins, if we have not seek to follow Him, if we have not seeked after His Word to to know and to understand him more, then all of our standards of goodness is just going to be nothing more than a judge against us on the day of judgment. So as we close up here, we're getting close. I want to ask this question, and I, I would try. I want to try to answer this uh, for us or help us to answer this. How does this apply? This is the big thing that we need to focus on in every single bit of Scripture. How does this apply to me? That's what I want you to figure out. I want you to ask yourself, how does this apply? Or more importantly, to, for a little bit of help, first off, we need to get into the Word. And we need to ask ourselves, what is it that I think I'm doing, but in reality, I'm not doing right? And another way I'd like to say this, uh, this came to mind a couple years ago, many years ago now, 
Um, I actually prayed a prayer. I asked God, Lord, I'm willing to reject everything I know about you. I'm willing, willing to reject everything I understand about the Christian faith as of this point. Lord, I want you to teach me. And he did. Two years later, I find an entire bookshelf of books. I have a stronger desire for the Word of God. Still continuously growing, still continuously hungry. Um, and ultimately, he helped me to see my sins. So what I would ask of you, maybe even give you that challenge too, is maybe even look at yourself and ask, Lord, help me to see my unrighteousness. Help me to see my sins. And help me to, to see you better. Help me to know you. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. Lord, I've got an understanding of how to love others, but teach me your way. Lord, I have an understanding of, of charity and when to give and who to give, but teach me your way. Lord, I have an understanding of justice and compassion and goodness towards others, but teach me your way. And I promise you, if you come with that as with a sincere heart, an honest heart, you're going to regret what you said because your prayer is going to be answered. And you might even have your understanding completely flipped around 180. So this is my challenge to you. That, that is my challenge to you. You have the law written on your hearts. You have God's standard of right and wrong written on your hearts. But do you understand it? Or are you following your own idea? Or somebody else's idea of, right and, of rightness, of, of goodness? So my challenge to you Continue to seek, continue to get into the Word of God and to find that truth. And I actually want us to, to try to take a, a, a position of condemnation. I want us to be put in this position because this will help us to understand our nature, where we are, and what we need to work on, what we need to repent of. Let's put ourselves in this position and say that the law of God is written on my heart, but I've rejected it. And on that day, I'm going to be judged according to the standard. So where is it that you need to ask God for repentance? That's all I have uh, for you guys tonight. Um, we'll get into, uh, next week, we'll get into uh, verse 17, which we are going back to the Jews. We've just discussed the Gentiles, the non-believers. And now we're going to go in, into the Jews, which kind of going to be a little bit similar. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. Any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to put them in the comments. Send me a message, text, however it is that you can get a hold of. ChristianCornerstone.org and contact us there as well. So you guys have yourself a wonderful time. And until our next episode, have a good evening and a good weekend. And God bless.